I used to sit in the preschool in tears. All the man really has to do on the day of birth is find a good parking spot. <laughs> Dad, Dad, catch this. Boom, I've done a poo. Stop stabbing your sister. From the news desk to the nursery. Mum! This is The Parent Panel with Siobhan Hunt. Welcome. This is a show where we let the parents do the talking because, as we all know, it's very difficult to finish a sentence with small children around. A mum and a dad chosen for their very valuable skills in raising children come to the studio to share their take on the news of the week. Joining me to discuss these topics are we have Sarah Hunstead, who is the founding director of CPR Kids, and Luke Eskim, aka Asparagus from Vegetable the Vegetable Plot. Sorry, Sarah has two girls, and Luke has a little boy. Guys, welcome. How are you? Very good. well. Very good. We have to um, give Sarah some slack. She's been off traveling around Australia for three months. Not really in the news, the current affairs. You've been switched off from everything. Completely disconnected. But very connected to your girls. Very true. That's So I think your insight will be quite interesting today. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, we'll stay tuned. I'm going to interview Sarah on our program, Kindling Conversation, about her trip because it was three months, three months traveling around Australia. So I think that's worth a conversation. But for today, we're going to be talking about how Coles has backflipped, then flipped back again. Um, And we're going to be talking about um, their commitment or lack of to the environment how you resolve conflict in your adult relationships and what should parents stop apologising for. And finally, how to deal with the chaos of mornings, that is getting out of the house with children and your sanity intact. But let's get started. We're going to be speaking about the incredible acrobatics of Coles. Coles is at the centre of another plastic bag fiasco tonight after bowing to pressure and backflipping on its ban. Coles has succumbed to unexpected complaints in the bagging area. Supermarket giant Coles is under fire for yet another backflip on its plastic bags ban. Coles is showing it's quite a flexible organisation. First it banned plastic bags, then customers complained about paying 15 cents for one. Like, I got a couple of lectures today from women who said, there's no reason why you can't take your trolley all the way to your car, and if you're forgetting your plastic bag, like most men do, said this lady, you can just put it in the boot and fill up your plastic bags. And I said, but I hate having to walk into a a place where I forget the plastic bag and have to pay 15 cents. I just just think, uh, is it really making a difference? Okay, I'm happy to go with it, but right now, I'm going to Coles. That's Chris Smith speaking on Sky News. So Coles listened to the Chris Smiths of the world and said it would give them away free while customers got used to the change. Then everybody else complained and now Coles will stop giving out free bags at the end of August. It's enough to make your head spin. Luke, has Coles completely failed in its environmental responsibilities? Uh, look, I, I shared the uh, the first backflip yesterday on the vegetable plot page and then my wife told me last night about the second backflip. And I've got to say, I'm, I, I'm not going to judge them for making the second backflip. You know, people, obviously, some angry white men complained on the radio, <laughs> probably golf buddies of some Coles, you know, higher ups. And so they backflipped. And but then enough people complained that they backflipped again. It just shows you that this public pressure actually works. And until we live in a world where companies will do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do, 
we have to keep complaining. And I'm glad that it only took 24 hours for them to take a stance. But yeah, it was it was pathetic, that first backflip. <laughs> it really was. Sarah, you, as I just mentioned, have been on this incredible trip around Australia. And I imagine you've seen some incredible landscapes in that time. You've been part of the environment. What's your take on this kind of behaviour? So I am quite pleased that Coles has done this last backflip in particular. But you know what? It's actually not that hard. We travelled through South Australia that has been doing this since 2009. You don't see anybody complaining there. And even in some of the smaller country towns, uh, the CDWA and some other community organisations have gotten together and out the front of Coles or Woolies, there's actually, you can go in and borrow a bag. So everybody just throws their bags in instead of keeping them in the boot of their car. You That's take a, a brilliant bag, idea. you go do your shopping and then you bring it back again. It's not that hard. It's, that, that's a fantastic idea. I mean, the other thing that um, I find frustrating about Coles is their little shop, the launch of all these little tiny mm. collectibles, plastic figures, yeah. plastic figures mm. um, because I can't see anywhere else that they are going to go in the next six months except for landfill. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, this is something that really I, I've become so aware of in the last couple of years of being a, a parent is just how quickly the house fills up with plastic junk. And I think all, all sort of parents up, up where I live now have a no plastic policy on gifts. And I think that's just what we have to do that as parents. We just have to say, look, please do not buy plastic. We're not going to buy, buy plastic. And if that plastic sits on the shelf, which it will do until the end of time, presumably, because it's plastic, uh, hopefully the, the companies will see, oh, well, that, that's not popular. We, we should maybe make some toys that are actually worthwhile. But what blows my mind about this is that for some reason they're not connecting that small plastic toys are also an environmental issue because they're saying, look at us, we've banned plastic bags. Here's some little plastic toys your children will love. And choke on. And choke on. Thank you, CPR Kids representative Sarah Hunstead. Well, I, I do think, Coles, when it, well, they look at this, they think, how can we use this new concern people have for the environment to make more profit for ourselves. I still think that's the way they approach it. And I hope at some point they're going to lose a lot of customers because of that perception. That's certainly the perception I have of them. That's, that's what these backflips say to me is that, oh, wait, we're going to lose some customers. Well, sod the environment. We're going to go back to our original position of just getting as many customers as possible by offering stuff as cheaply as possible. Um, and... Yeah, I, I hope that as consumers we realise the power we have and we start actually changing the behaviour at, at the source. Because if you look at um, companies like Audi, I mean, I'm a big Audi fan. <laughs> I love how uh, affordable they make grocery shopping. But you've never, never been able never. to get bags for free there. And it's if, if people shop there, they have to take their own bags. And nobody's complaining about it either. No, and such a simple step to make a huge difference. Anyway... All right. Well, we know where we stand on that fact. I'm Siobhan Hunt. You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation, where we invite two parents into the studio to get their thoughts on the stories and events of the week. Today, I'm joined by founding director of CPR Kids, Sarah Hunstead, and Luke Eskimm, aka Asparagus, from The Vegetable Plot. Next, resolving conflict in your relationship. Are you two going to fight again? Why are you guys wasting all your time fighting each other? It's because I never say anything when you annoy me. Could we go home and talk about this, please? Just leave me alone! 
Relationships aren't easy. They take work, particularly after kids. This week, Dr. Emma Agnew, a psychologist and faculty member at the School of Life, talked to us on Kindling Conversation about how you can make love last. It's the title of one of their courses. Here's just a part of that interview. We are all flawed species and we need to be generous, generous enough to look beyond the imperfections in front of us. It's just one of the ways they suggest couples kind of shift their perception when it comes to conflict. Sarah, would this approach saying, I am flawed, as are you, husband, would that have worked uh, when you were on your trip around Australia and something crazy happened? (laughs) So did I mention that we were actually travelling in a camper trailer that is the size of most people's bathrooms (laughs) for three months, all four of us? So there's definitely potential for conflict when you're in that incredibly small space with your family for a prolonged period of time. Uh, What I found with uh, us being away and being forced to be together for so long, well, forced, you know, our choice, I suppose, is that there is no room for assuming anything. There's no room to be able to go, you know what, I'm right about this and, you know, that's it and we're not going to talk about it and I'm just going to be angry because that spoils everything. So you had no choice but to be able to talk about it and to admit when you're wrong and that you are flawed. And I like to think that we kind of uh, Brene Browned ourselves a little bit. Oh, I love Brene Oh, Brown. I love her too. Just... Oh, who oh. doesn't know who Brenna Brown is, we should explain. So what I hear you saying to me is, this was one of my favourite sentences. So the story that we tell ourselves, and we'd be coming out with that, and it just opened up the communication. And actually being able to admit when you're wrong does help a lot. Yeah, that's true. We hold on to things, don't we? Um, Luke, how do you deal with conflict with your in your relationship? Well, I think I, I've noticed that the um, the conflict is sort of a product of the environment, i.e., the house. The house <laughs> is kind of a, a battleground where people have people. Are, you're trying to stake your corner. You want a bit of peace. There are responsibilities. There there are lots of things that are potentially a source of argument. And once there's a child in there, you don't want to, you you vent your anger at each other, and it's a, a sad thing. But that's sort of what happens. But what I found is that whatever tensions accumulate over the months, probably uh, probably a 10-week period of a term, basically, that's that's how we live our lives because my wife's <laughs> yes. a teacher. And so over those 10 weeks, tensions accumulate. But I've, at, the, at the moment, I haven't found that tensions have accumulated beyond the point where two hours at a resort in a hot tub with some cocktails won't <laughs> diffuse all of it. So is this my, what you do? My advice to all of you is to spend a couple of hundred dollars Give, you know, go and stay with granny or whatever. Give the child to someone who is responsible to look after your child for the night. Go to a nice resort. Don't skimp, you know, to go two, three hundred dollars somewhere where you look out and you go, oh, this is a lovely place. It's not an Airbnb because you have to do washing up at Airbnb. So go somewhere where <laughs> someone else is cleaning everything up. Get in a hot tub, have some cocktails. And amazingly, the conflict, you, you can't even remember what any of it's about. That's actually, you know, we went away recently for a weekend and I was surprised just how how easy it was to enjoy ourselves. I know that sounds terrible, but when the children aren't around, you don't have as much pressure to, I don't know. Yeah, you're not fighting your corner anymore. You're both there to relax. And um, did your parents used to do that, Luke? Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just wondering sure. how, what, what kind well, of their, their, their thing was not talking to each other. They kept different hours. So my dad right. would wake up at about, you know, once once he'd retired, he'd wake up at about one in the afternoon and he'd go through to about four. 
And mum would wake up at about seven in the morning and she'd be up till about seven at night. So they had very few hours together in which that to... That sounds like a... <laughs> and they had, they had different wings of the house. Oh, my God. I'm making it sound like Downton Abbey, but up in Byron Bay, they, had, they built a big house with wings. And so they would really have to interact, which obviously oh would, would help them get through the last 10 years. So they haven't been in a camper trailer together travelling Oh, my goodness, no, no. So here are two solutions. You can either get a massive place with two wings where you don't have to interact too much, or you can get a tiny, cramped little camper van and just force it out. That's crazy. (laughs) I'm going for the the wings on the house. (laughs) You're listening to the Parent Panel on Kindling Conversation. I'm Siobhan Hunt. My guests today are founding director of CPR Kids, Sarah Hunstead, and Luke Eskim, a.k.a. Asparagus, from The Vegetable Plot. Up next, what should parents stop apologising for? Apologize. Sorry. 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 Stop apologizing. There are so many things that are out of our hands when we have small children, but you can still find yourself apologizing for things that are totally out of your control. Uh, I know, for example, that I have a habit of apologizing when either of my children are having a meltdown in public. Most recently, we went to a restaurant at, I think it was about 6.30, big mistake, five o'clock for restaurants, no later. And my son was really tired and he just lost it. And there was a table very close to us with two grown men. And I kept saying, sorry. And at the time I'm like, stop apologizing, just concentrate on him. Like he's just not dealing with this right now and he's tired. Um, So I'm wondering what you guys feel as parents you should stop apologizing for. Luke, is there anything you feel? Well, I think that's a very good example of a situation where maybe someone who is uh, an in-law of yours or a friend without children or grown-up children says, let's go and have dinner at 7 o'clock. And you go, look, (laughs) we eat dinner at 5 o'clock or 4.30. And they go, I'm not eating dinner at 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock. But we've got a young child. Oh, I go to Italy and the kids are all running around. It's not a problem. You know, bring them along. They'll be fine. And you know you should say, no. No. But you don't, you don't want to feel like you're letting that person down. And so you get yourself into a situation where you know exactly what's going to happen. And it happens. And you end up apologizing when what you should have not felt at all apologetic about is just saying, that's not going to work for us. We're not going to do it. Or you just say, I told you so. Yeah, well, <laughs> That's the other side, isn't it? That's, that's the reverse bad one of apologizing too much. But I think you, you can only, you've got to be clear about what your responsibilities are. If you fail in one of your key responsibilities, you can apologize. But really... If you've got a, you know, a partner, a kid or kids and a job slash career, that's 100% of your responsibilities. So anything beyond that, you know, turning up at a person's, you know, I don't know, their funeral or their bar mitzvah or whatever's happening. If you can't make it, you don't, you don't have to feel apologetic about that because that's not within your main sphere of responsibilities. Yeah, that's interesting. And you have you have to guard that area. You know, sometimes you have to be willing to say no or to go out of the house in tracksuit pants. <laughs> Sarah, what do you think parents should stop apologising for? I think there's two levels to this. One is that I, I think we need to stop apologising to our kids for parenting them and not being their mates. Because I really think, you know what, I'm trying to raise you to be a good, kind human 
And sometimes that means you are absolutely not going to get your way. And I'm not sorry for that. I'm not sorry that I am trying to make you into a really good person or help you to be the best person you can be. And I think that's a really important thing. You know, I'm sorry that you can't go out in those shorts and (laughs) crop top because you are only 10 years old and it's inappropriate. And you know what? I don't care if all your friends are doing it because this, I'm a parent and I know that's best. It's my job. That's right. And I want you to express yourself, but you know, I want you to do all of that, but you can't wear those shorts. And the other thing as well, I think we should stop apologising for knowing what's best for our children to other people as well. So a good example of that is when we uh, were about to take our kids out of school for a full term to go on this trip. Gosh, aren't you worried they're going to be behind? What are you going to do when they go back to school? Oh, you're really doing them a disservice by missing a term of school for three months. No, we're not. They are absolutely fine and they learned more on that trip. And I'm not apologising for knowing what's best for my kids. I think that's awesome. That can be applied to any level of parenting, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. how you put your baby to sleep, the kind of food you give them. I said it once um, that I feel like parenting has become a spectator sport, that everybody has their their say on it. But at the end of the day, if it's a safe, loving home and what happens behind closed doors, that's up to you if it's safe and loving. I don't understand why people get to have a say. No, I'm with you there. Well, the other things, uh, Bianca Wordley actually wrote about this in Fairfax um, this week. And some of the other things that she said we should stop apologising for um, is having a messy house, saying no, which is what you were talking about, Sarah. How you look comes to the tracksuit pants, Um, not buying treats. I thought that was really interesting because um, I saw a Facebook post of a mum who said she had told her daughter she couldn't have something that she'd broken or something like that and that she had to pay for the broken toy or whatever it was. And the woman at the counter said, oh, don't worry about it. Mummy's being mean and got her a new one. And the mum was like, was that out of line? And everyone on Facebook's like, that is so out of of line. And it comes back to that idea of other people crossing over what your role is as a parent. So she's saying, don't apologize if you say no to treats, Um, being late to things. That's happened to all of us. Uh, missing out on things, and that was what you went your point as well there, Luke, in terms of not getting to things that people want you to go, and also working long hours. I think working parents can get really judged for having to be late, and and they feel like they have to apologise to their kids for it, when essentially it's like, if I don't work, you don't eat. <laughs> exactly. And I think too, you know, I would have set a good example, of, you know, for my family that I actually want to work. I want to do this. I love my career and I want to show my girls that you can do that. Yeah, so important. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point that you're, um, you're res- the responsibility you feel to be the best parent that you can be and you know what that is and what that looks like. That sometimes overrides the happiness of your children, the immediate happiness of your children, the happiness and convenience of other people. And it's absolutely right. You know, you have to be willing to kind of look past that to stay on target with, you know, trying to do the best you can in that very important role of being a parent. And you're raising the next leaders of tomorrow. We don't want them to be (laughs) getting everything they want. Our final topic in just a moment, it's dealing with the morning chaos. Good morning, Vietnam! Hey, this is not a test. 
This is rock and roll. Wakey, wakey. It is not my job to get you up in the morning. Be on time, please. Guys, wakey, wakey. We're leaving. Come on, let's go. Get in the car. Hurry up. If there's one thing that's challenging when you have small children, it's getting out of the door in the morning. Shoes get lost. Children refuse to get dressed. They can complain on repeat that they don't want to go to daycare or school. You can forget their lunch in the rush to leave the house. Sarah, uh, what is the worst morning you've had with your kids? And uh, uh, following on from that, what did you learn? I've got one child who is always ready and I have one child who will do anything not to be ready. <laughs> and when she started kindy, so that was probably the the peak of the badness. We ended up after goodness knows how many days of me virtually dressing this child and dragging her out of the house. I ended up saying to her, you know what? I'm leaving at 8.30. Whatever state you are in, you're coming with me. And so she thought, you know, oh, mum won't follow up on this. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. <laughs> so she went to school in her undies. <gasps> what assembly? Well, what happened was I said, it's 8.30. I'm leaving. Get in the car. She looked at me, you know, raised an eyebrow because that's what she's like and trotted off into the car. I started the engine and off we went. Oh, my God. She wasn't freaking out at all? Uh, I think it, it wasn't until she could actually see school that she went, oh my gosh, mum is completely serious here. I had actually packed her uniform in her bag <laughs> and gave her the option of, if you can show me that you will get dressed, uh, you can put your clothes on now, which she did do. And we haven't had too much of a problem since. Mornings are more chaotic since we've gotten back because we're not match fit anymore. It's all about match fitness. That's right. However, um, you could, you know, I'm sure there are lots of people out there shaking their heads going, oh my gosh, she's so mean. Oh, you know, would I have actually let her walk into school in her undies? Oh, I wouldn't have dragged her in there, but you know, we didn't need to go that far. Sorry. <laughs> oh, there's no boss. way she would have walked in. Absolutely, boss. I love that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Luke, have you got any stories about how it goes in the morning in your house? Yeah, see, I, I, I know this whole argument about taking the kids to school in their pajamas and and letting them learn the lesson. I feel like as a dad, if the if the you take the kid to school in the pajamas, it's just like dads. You know, they try their best, but they they he's forgotten to dress his child again. Yeah, yeah. He's probably watching sport and drinking a beer and forgot. <laughs> at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, so so I, I've never done that. I, I Things are good at the moment. I, I, Harry has just sort of reached this zen plateau where we're both just loving it. He's come through this very difficult time. We've been giving him a bit of help, extra help. And uh, he's just flourishing. And I just I just shout out to him. He's doing a great job. And it's it's quite easy in the mornings now. Oh, I love and, it. And even quite fun. And obviously there's only one. Um, but I do remember that the mornings that are terrible. I remember one morning that was very traumatic. I remember at one point scream, just opening my mouth and letting out a scream and having no idea when it would end. And it felt like it went on for minutes until I, until there was no sound left in my soul. And, and like high-pitched, not like a man, not like a... Oh, it was like... Ah, it was just let it out. And I think what it was was I was trying to get ready. I, I don't know if it was for a gig or even for a tour or for an overseas trip. So I was loading up the car. And I was just... I, I think I might even have put him in front of the television. I'm like, look, I give up. I'll put you just... Just chill, and then I'll get you dressed, and we'll go. And the television's on, but he wants to paint. And uh, I'm like, okay, look, I'm an artist. I want, 
I want you to feel like you can paint, even though I really don't like it. And so he gets the paint, and then he wants to fill the water with sand or something. And I know how it's going to end. And I come in, and I've been lugging this stuff down to the car, and we're late. And he spills the paint, water, sand all over the living room. And that's and the scream happens. <laughs> and he starts like freaking out and crying and I'm like daddy's there and I'm, I, I, I'm I'm sorry Harry I just can't I can't do it so um yeah but at the moment it's great so uh, don't worry about it I can't let you go without um asking you how you came to this amazing place of zen light behavior with Harry well he's um he's been having a bit of physio and a bit of OT uh, he he was struggling um, physically with some things that weren't quite coming naturally to him. And that was making him feel tired all the time because he was having to work a lot more consciously than other kids have to to do quite simple things. And that was making him very emotional. And I think he was angry at me because he felt like he could see me doing things and he, he felt that maybe some, sh- I don't know if it was shame or just felt uh, that he wasn't able to do things that he wanted to do. Frustration, I guess. And this little intervention with the OT and the physio and uh, the, the school kind of being on board has just helped him get over that, whatever that block was. And he f- he's he doesn't he's got loads of energy. He's eating well. He never complains about being tired, and he's really proud of himself. And he feels confident, and it's it's wonderful. And now he's very affectionate towards me and very cooperative mostly. And it's, it's great. I think that is great. But I think I'm going to use Sarah's approach. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think, um, I think Luke nailed it. It's understanding why. And so before I did the undie approach, I wanted to know why. Is there a problem at school? What was it? No. She just liked her warm bed. Mm. Like, well, no, then you get the undie approach. But if it was something else, we would have dealt with that. Mm. Yeah, no, I think my kids need the undie approach. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. That was Sarah Hunstead, founding director of CPR Kids, and Luke Eskam, a.k.a. Asparagus from The Vegetable Plot. You've been listening to The Parent Panel, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review and share it with your friends. The Parent Panel, new episodes every Friday.